Everything in life is story. Story is how we share ideas, politics, vision, fantasies, experiences, even our hopes and dreams. The Gibson Gazette is a podcast show devoted to story. Those we consume, those we tell ourselves, and those told to us. I am the co-host, L. Michael Gibson, or LMG, and I am joined today by my co-host, Anne-Marie Collymore, or AMC. Hey, AMC, how are you doing today? I am living. I am alive, I'm breathing. I'm living, I'm living, because I'm hanging on a thread. (laughs) Oh, a different kind of living. Okay, I got you. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I think you know what? Honestly, um, because I'm I'm just like always excited about my birthday every year. Um, listen, y'all, no joke. I'll get into it a little bit later, a little bit more. But I literally almost died four years ago giving birth to my son. So when I tell you that I enjoy every birthday like it's not a game. I enjoy every birthday like it's not a game. So this year, I'm going in, and my birthday's on Monday. So, you know, I'm just trying mm. to squeeze in all of the the stuff that I have to do work-wise, life-wise, and all of that so that I could just run amok this weekend. All right, run amok. <laughs> run amok. All right. So it sounds like you have... Big, big plans. You want to give us some of the details of those plans? And what, yeah, what club sure. or bar can we join you over in, in Toronto? You know what? It starts tomorrow night. My brother is uh, hes a promoter and he's also a DJ. He's been a DJ for a very long time. And uh, he is bringing down one of the um, sound sounds from Jamaica, Bass Odyssey, so it's going to be a very interesting night. It's going to be dope. It's, it's going to be straight up dance hall kind of vibe. Got my outfit. Got my hair did. The whole nine. Come um, through outfit. <laughs> yes, sir. There will be pictures on Instagram. So, you know, you, you'll see them all there. If you're following me, you, you'll see them there. Soul Aphrodisiac. But I know it's going to be a vibe because they're an old set. Um, they really... Uh, deep dive into like old um old reggae so it'll be really really dope i I can't wait i'm really 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 excited should be a good show are you really 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 excited (laughs) (laughs) and there's gonna be libations you know so Uh, i I, I, I hear the people y'all heard the people right like she said really 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 excited so um and how young will you be did we did we share how young you would be this person man man, i I got good genes i'll I'll be 47 okay you know yeah that 50 coming around the corner like you say (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Welcome to forty seven. I, I I beat you to that uh, earlier this year, so that's thank what's you, up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. So, what stories have you been consuming over the last two weeks that you want our audience to know about? But we're not going to go too deep into it about today. Well, I'm sure everybody is tuned into this uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. I think it's just a multitude of mess as i like to call it um there are so many different layers with this thing here and the thing is that i'm not even watching it 
like every day. I'm not that deep into it, but the clips that I've seen um, online, the clips I've seen on social media, and the articles that I read, that's enough to keep me up to date, really and truly. So, I mean, regardless of how much you try, you get pulled in. I, I feel that way anyways. Um, you can catch all you need, as I said, through the articles and everything. You don't have to watch the entire trial. So here are my takes from um, from the whole thing, from what I've seen so far anyways. Amber Heard, she's a bold-faced liar. I finished. That's it. Like, she... <laughs> she... <laughs> she just... That girl can lie? Yo, Jesus. Talk about being short and to the point, people. Listen, she, man... Boy, I remember anytime we tell a lie, my dad would look at us and be like, you lie. You just lie. That's it. That she is a bold-faced liar. And the thing that's really horrible about that is that if she was abused in some way by Johnny, which I kind of think that she was, uh, she's now made it really difficult for herself to even, like, assume a victimized role. Um the lies that she's told on the stand, the way she's been caught in those lies, uh, her subpar acting on the stand, like made me <laughs> gag. I just, <laughs> I, I, there was a, um, there was something happened. I can't even remember. I think they were both. She was finished on the stand. Johnny got up. Johnny looked like he. I was either going in her direction. I was going to approach her, and she recoiled like she was so terrified for her life. I was like, "Really? Come on!" And and it, it really came across very very fake. It did. It was not genuine at all. Um. So for me, it's really extremely difficult to even give her the benefit of the doubt um and especially after hearing that tape now for johnny while he may seem like the victim here and in many facets i see that he is but on the other hand he's still an abuser right allegedly allegedly let me just throw in that allegedly there boy. i'm about to say you're trying to get this hand up allegedly in because <laughs> <laughs> i'm not playing that but, you know, but because he spiraled out of control with his drugs and drinking and he wasn't able to break all of that generational trauma that he's carrying and he's carrying a lot of it, um, it still doesn't give him the right to abuse anyone, right? So, however, it's really clear that he needs a lot of help, therapy, rehab, like just a lot of time to fight his demons and get right. Both of them have collectively ruined each other's careers, and I'm just really curious to see how this is going to play out in the end because they're both suing each other with the counter-suing and the suing and the suing. Listen, man, there's so much going on. I want to see how this is going to end for both of them. Also, just on top of that, my latest my latest obsession right now, because of course I'm late to everything, is Top Boy. I was kind of like trying to stay away from it, but I got sucked in. And now, after like the last show we were doing it, I realized I was I was on a bruv and a bra tip, and that's because I'm watching the stupid show. Okay? So <laughs> that's it. That's my thing. <laughs> What do you got to say? What, what do you have to say about this Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing? I mean, honestly, I've not been paying close attention intentionally. Uh, but as you say, things seep through. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not as convinced as you are that Depp is an abuser. I think he's an abuser apologist. I think some of the um, things he's come out with publicly 
in support mm. of other abusers, <laughs> like uh, abuse. makes him suspect. Um, I believe him. I, I, I believe that they. I do believe there was fighting between the both of them. Um, and you know, there's some people who believe that if a man is ever fighting a woman and a woman fighting, you know, a man, or even if she instigated it, then he's the abuser. I, mm-hmm. you know. I think everybody yeah, keep yeah. their hands to themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, period. Um, period. I, I think we should just, you know, we live by that. We'll be everybody be okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily convinced that he um, hasn't hit her, you know, out of self defense. Um, right. And I'm not saying that as you know, because I'm this dude who, you know, supports. Like I'm usually the I believe women. Um, but as Chris Rock recently said, I believe women except Amber Heard. There you go. There you go. He's on point on that. You know, um, and you know, anytime you got me quoting Chris Rock's conservative ass, like, you know, that's already Mm -hmm. a problem. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is, you know, this probably should go in our, it's complicated section. Uh, it's, it's, uh. You know, I, you lost me when you put shit in the bed. Like, I don't, I, there's no coming back from leaving shit in the bed, which is what Amber Heard supposedly, allegedly has done uh-huh. um, yeah. as part of the she trial that came out. Dog. But, you know, that was pretty clear to say he knows what dog shit looked like and that that was not dog shit. I don't care what kind of shit it was. It was shit in the bed. Like, and, you know, as somebody who thinks of my bed is pretty sacred, I don't like that would be we would we would be divorced from that moment on. There would be Mm -hmm. no debates, no no fights, no conversation. The second I saw shit in the bed, that would have been that would have been walking papers for me. Um because I, 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 yeah, I don't know yeah I don't know how much you know where do you go from there the depths of hell like the, the fourth chamber like I the shit in the bed folks like <laughs> there right? is not a whole I mean, there's, there's only digging trapdoor tunnels to the demise of your relationship from that point so no I um I was not uh, yeah like I said I've not been paying that much attention but what I have heard um, you know, soured me. I do, you know, part of kind of this, I mean, I've heard that, uh, the, uh, Aquaman two is trying to, mm. you know, excise her out of the film. Um, yeah. honestly, I didn't even make the connection that Amber Heard was that same character. <laughs> Was the actress playing that character in the film? Yes, and I yes. love Aquaman, but did not in my head. You know, I I couldn't pick Amber Heard out of a lineup if you asked me to right now. Like I, I just it's not. She's yeah, a very forgettable. She stand out like that, right? Right, like yes. she's a very very wow. forgettable yeah. white girl. <laughs> so so right. Right. you know, so they were like, oh, she's they're trying to figure out how they can cut her from the Aquaman two. And I was like, she was an Aquaman? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't, and I quite frankly think more people probably have that feeling about it. Like, they might have looked at that in her face throughout the whole first movie, didn't register, yeah. didn't make the connection. And had they not put out this press stuff around it, we probably could have watched Aquaman 2 and not thought twice about her and Johnny Depp. 
So true. So true. I think you know what? In Justice League, that was the that little cameo that she had. Her hair was blonde, and then when she was an Aquaman, her hair was dyed red. So when uh. this whole when it started. Um, I was like, who's Amber Heard? Who the hell? And they're talking about Aquaman, Aquaman. So when I looked it up, I was like, oh, her. Because the red hair, like, I, if, if she was traipsing around with the red hair, I would have been like, oh, it's her. But because that blonde, you know, mousy kind of look, just it, it didn't do anything for her, really. So she didn't really stand out to me. But yeah, that's, that's the truth. I have this issue with semi-famous people all the time like melanie fiona i you know is one of those artists who i probably could never pick out in the lineup either <laughs> you know like like there are people who i remember come over, i remember come us having around. a conversation a long time ago I right like i there are certain yeah. people who are who achieve fame and success and i will have seen their picture a hundred times and if they st- tap me on the shoulder in the back in the grocery store line i would be like uh, why are you touching me? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and oh, Amber man. Heard, you know, it's just it's like Blake Lively, her. I mean, there's a bunch of these women oh, no. stars. I love my Blake. Who, no. I mean, I like Blake Lively in a, that one movie with uh, God that they just decided, A Simple Favor. And the only reason oh, I, I recognize that, that she's in it as a star is because I just saw the announcement that they're going to um, make a sequel. No so, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making Wait. a sequel. Yeah, they just announced oh, that like in the cool. last week or so. And so so I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Blake Lively's in that. <laughs> <laughs> and I own okay, the Blu-ray for it. Gossip Girl, so that's why right. I guess oh, maybe so, yeah. I just followed her after that. So, yeah, I've, I've just always been a fan of hers. And I'm a pop culture nerd, but the, some of these folks for me become very interchangeable unless um, mm-hmm. unless they've been mm-hmm. unless there's something that I'm really really focused on with them. Uh, in any case, you know I I hope this trial comes to a conclusion very soon so that we can all go back to our our humdrum lives without hearing about shit. <laughs> so for myself. Yes. Mine is not nearly as thrilling or as exciting, um, which is probably reflective <laughs> of my of my last couple of weeks. I have been on vacation, so I have been um, or trying to be on vacation. The first four days of a vacation ended up being a lot of work with clients, and I was like, "This is not vacation." Um, and then I kind of had like a good eleven or twelve day run of vacation days, and then today I'm back working. So. Um, so I've been watching The Circle season four on Netflix. Can't get enough. Uh, for those who may not be familiar with The Circle on Netflix, it's an American reality competition um, that premieres. Uh, this is the fourth season. So uh, it's pr- the new season premiered May 4th. Michelle Bateau uh, is the host of the show, uh, stand up comedian. For those who may not be familiar but think they know the name, uh, she's most recently been in the first wives club with Jill Scott. She's the other thick light skinned girl in that show. <laughs> um, okay. uh, the show consists of 13 episodes. They release four every week and the finale is coming up next week. So next uh, Wednesday or Thursday, one of those um, is the, whatever May 25th is, um, is when they're going to show um, the finale 
and we'll get to re- figure out who wins. So in the circle, players compete against each other to become the most popular, but never actually meet. Like they have uh, profile pictures of themselves that they've posted up and they have chats and um, and it's a very kind of special chat system because it's verbal. Like so they tell the chat what, uh, you know, what was like voice recognition technology and um, including the emoji that they want. And they like send messages to each other and they play games and they have competitions and have parties, but they never actually see one another physically. Um, and so through this, uh, they compete to see who's going to become the most popular. They'll create alliances with each other um, to because, you know, if periodically the game will have them rate the players and kick out the person who has the lowest ratings. But this season, they've also complicated that a little bit. <laughs> so this season, they played games because the first three seasons, it was kind of very routine how they did it. Uh, like mm-hmm. the, the top two influencers got to select which person was going home. But this season, they only did that maybe twice or three times so far. They've done it so that uh, the influencers could pick people to save. They've given it so that they can, um, the lowest rating automatically left. Uh, They've done like variations to um, throw people off. In any case, um, this season also included two of the Spice Girls. (laughs) <laughs> very oh, yeah, random, random right <laughs> right the season included you know uh so normally it's, it's, it's like everyday folk right is uh this season includes 12 13 players um but two of them were spice girls mel b and emma bunton who were scary and baby spice for those who are from the 90s i remember those things um there were temporary mm-hmm. guest contestants and they were successfully able to catfish the other contestants um, in order for, to grow the winning pot. So, like, if you win the circle, you get $100,000. Okay. Uh, so, right. So this year, because the they were able to catfish the people into believing they were somebody else, successfully, mm-hmm. the pot got sweetened by $50,000. So now the take home is $150,000. So, okay. um, right. You know, and of course, they had, like, several Spice Girl-themed episodes as a result of that <laughs> but um <laughs> but the thing um and 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 so all of this kind of takes place in one single apartment complex and i just found out today that they filmed this show in manchester england in an apartment company the people are largely americans though sometimes they'll have a brit um in there but usually it's like 99 percent people are americans um and the co- apartment complex is prepared with 12 furnished, ready-to-use apartments for the players to live in for the duration of the season. Last uh, Season 2 winner, Delisa St. Agathe, uh, her husband is in the game this time. So she already took home $100,000 uh, a couple of seasons ago. <laughs> her husband, uh-huh. who is both cool and fine as fuck, is doing okay. it this season. But because you get to play, you can catfish, you can like present yourself as somebody else. He's presenting himself mm-hmm. as a woman named Amani, which creates some really interesting dynamics because sometimes flirtations are happening in the circle. And in this particular season, there's, you know, another black man in the show who's straight and they're flirting with each other because he oh. thinks he's talking to a woman. <laughs> right. 
which just clicked for me because I was like, wait, he's old. <laughs> yeah, these two straight men, one of whom is married to a prior winner, uh, black straight men are flirting with each other, and, and you know, and oh it's, it's, it's it, it, you know, that's kind of the dynamics, right? But you also have um, situations where, and one of the other couplings, you have a young Asian woman who was flirting with a middle aged white guy who's married. And she thought she was flirting with a 22-year-old frat jock. <laughs> right? like, and they were like talking about lingerie and, you know, masturbation. And, you know, so it, it gets, it can get a little Whoa. spicy in the circle. Okay. In any case, huh. I love this. It's, the show is crazy. And I mean, and not everybody's that bright. Some of the people are playing strategy. Some people are just, you know, there for because they make good TV. Um, but mm. I love this show because it's a microcosm for how folks actually behave online. You know, you don't know if you can trust people. You don't know whether or not people are who they say they are. You don't know if people are really good people, but still catfishing, right? Like, so that right. happens too. Um, and just as in real life, there's sometimes financial gain <laughs> in catfishing folks, right? Um, so I also love that there's always queer representation on the show, usually queer of color. Uh, this season, there is both a black lesbian woman, a bare black gay man who's of size, um, and a sexually mm-hmm. fluid Asian woman. Uh, they've had little people uh, more than once, um, and an assortment of ages and bodies. You know, elders have played the game. Uh, mother and sons have played the game together in the apartment truck together. <laughs> um, uh, and it's already been renewed for its fifth season. It's a hit. Um, and features some high comedy throughout each episode, um, thanks to Michelle Batu, because she comments on things and she makes fun of the folks throughout. And she's her little sidebar commentary on what's going on on the screen is hilarious. So anyway, that's what I'm checking out is The Circle. And uh, it is totally a guilty pleasure that I can't wait to see the finale next week. <laughs> okay. That sounds hella different. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, do you have any? What do you have a reality TV show guilty pleasure that you watch? Uh, any of the games? Too hot, hot to handle, uh, or you know, Pleasure no, Island. I, pleasure Island. <laughs> that one, my mother got me hooked on to. <laughs> mm. She loved her some Pleasure Island, and so her and my sister used to watch it. I'm like, what is this crap? And then I sat down and I watched it and got hooked. So I I haven't um I don't think I saw last season. Um she was watching it. I know she was. I saw a little bit of it, but I didn't watch the entire thing. So I think I'm about a good uh, maybe one or two seasons behind. But I did watch the first one right through. It was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I won't lie. I've been wanting to watch Love is Blind because everybody and their mama keeps on talking about it. I love um, Love is Blind. I've seen every yeah. single one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, I've seen every season. I? Yes, you absolutely <laughs> must. Yes. Uh, I mean, look. <laughs> So, you know, I'm, I, I be rooting for the black folks, right? So, I mean, one of the good things about uh, all of these Netflix shows is black people be women. Like, it's not, you know, a lot of times with stuff like Top Chef, no shade. <laughs> the black, uh-huh. the black people the black people can get to the finale, but they can't win. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. 
in these Netflix shows, a lot of times, folks, black folks win. Like, Too Hot to Handle, like some of the first couples to win were black couples that were, like, loving other black people, right? So that was also... Yes, that's what I like to say. Right. Right. Uh You know, and um, I mean, to the point that I was, like, watching Too Hot to Handle Brazil and Too Hot to Handle Mexico. (laughs) I was, like, watching... I was, like, like, in all the spinoffs. And, uh, you know, same thing with uh, The Circle... You know, a lot of black folks have won. And what was the other mm-hmm. one? Um, the, the Oh, yeah. The one you were just mentioning. Love is Blind. Um, you know, the blind. first year couple was an interracial couple. And I didn't okay. I didn't mind that the sister got <laughs> that, that the sister got with the white guy because the white guy was one sexy as fuck bodied for okay. days and apparently packing oh. to hear her boast. Um, okay. and was super, it was kind of like a goofy, nerdy guy who had got spent some time in the gym, you know, like somebody who probably was overlooked in high school but built that body uh, up real yeah. tight as a grown up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he was yes. giving you, he was giving you height, he was giving you body, he was giving you a coin. Um, and they've been like one of the more successful couples from the show. So, nice. yeah, you know, you know, I like to see black folks be able to win stuff. So Netflix reality I, shows generally give you that. I think my my reality show binges usually tend to go to the shows. So I love, um, like, you know, um, of course, Housewives, right? But I stick to Atlanta and I stick to New Jersey. And then I would wa- I started watching Selling Sunset. I liked that show. Then I started watching the black version of Selling Sunset, which was pretty good. I don't know if they're mm. coming back with another season, but they had I don't watch the white version, but I did watch the black version of Selling Sunset. I, w- I will watch another season of that. Yeah, it was it was pretty decent. So I, I always tend to go for those rather than the game shows. I Yeah, so that usually is my thing. Yep. Yeah, and I, like, I wouldn't watch a broadcast network game show, but these kind of game shows, because they're usually requiring people to be incredibly vulnerable. like Uh there's something there's like this human element you know like too hot to handle they're not allowed to have sex you know so they're forced to try to actually get to know the person Um, the ultimatum oh yeah yeah Yeah, you know that's too hot to handle the one i was saying i was like watching the brazil version and all of that um and then there's like the ultimatum now that that just came out earlier this year it's a spinoff from love is blind and that was like okay. couple married couples. Well, not married couples. Excuse me. One of the partners wants to be married. The other partner is resistant, and so oh, the right. partner that wants to be married threw an ultimatum down, and yes, it's a hot yes. mess. <laughs> like yeah. so, all of those kind of shows where there's kind of a human vulnerability factor or a what the fuck? Cause, you know, because Love is Blind is, they they be like, I love you. I, you're, you know, they crying. You're the most important person in the world. And I'm like, you just met them like three weeks ago and you haven't seen Five minutes ago. Like five minutes ago. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Like, so there is a what the fuck element to that show. Yeah. You know, where you're like, uh, I mean, and the same thing could be said even for Too Hot to Handle for that matter. Like, you know, yes, you you were trapped on an island with these people for an extended period of time, man. And uh, maybe you walked away from that experience. Like the 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 great thing about those shows, they all have uh, what do you call them? reunion shows. So <laughs> the reunion uh-huh. episode uh-huh. is when so, you find man. out, like you know, was that 
you know, did it did it end up lasting, or was it like as, as long as the cameras were rolling, it lasted? Right, uh, right, right. Interesting. So, okay, okay. Well, I might have to put it in queue. Yeah, I mean, and all of this is, you know, people don't judge me. All of this stuff is trash. <laughs> like, none, of, none of the things I'm recommending. <laughs> all of these are time don't judge, wasters. Don't judge right. us. Don't, don't like, they are all Just time waster shows. They are, you, you could be writing your great American novel. You could be working your, <laughs> your dissertation, sis. Like, you could be getting that, th- that second language, that third software application. Like, there's so much you could be doing with your time other than watching these trashy shows that we're recommending. But, alas, um, Reminder, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share so you can learn more about Trash TV <laughs> or on whatever platform <laughs> you're listening to or watching us on. Also, comment or review where possible so that we can climb the charts of the various platform algorithms this show is on. And with that, I'm going to transition us to Loving It. Loving It, for those of you who are new, is the story. Are the stories. Is the stories. Oh, I'm real black today. Are the stories that um, we absolutely love. And recommend people check out. You're up, AMC. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I am up with the best man reunion we didn't know we needed. I have been talking about this thing ad nauseum in my Instagram stories. I love the best man. The best man is one of my favorites. And I'm beyond ecstatic that the clan is returning for the best man final chapters. And it'll be on Peacock. So I I better find somewhere where I can watch it here because I'm going to be mad, mad. <laughs> or I'll find some kind of bandulu way to watch it. I don't care, but I need to see this. So um, the popularities of the movies The Best Man and the second installment, uh, The Best Man Holiday, has secured a film status in our classic Black movie archives. Like Writer and director Malcolm D. Lee uh, he managed to gather up the powerhouse gang again, which is fantastic. So, and he got everybody back: Tay Diggs, Regina Hall, Nia Long, Harold Perrineau. Uh, okay, see, that's French me, Frenchy in me. Perrineau, <laughs> I guess. Sorry, um, Morris Chestnut with his fine ass, still fine after all these years. He's still fine. Sana Lathan and Melissa D'Souza. Now, since, of course, Monica Calhoun's character, Mia, passed away in the last movie, I'm not sure if we'll be seeing her this round, but you know how Hollywood magic works, so flashbacks, all of that good stuff, who knows, we might see her. Um, But there are also some new faces, like Nicole Ari Parker, who you guys know from the Soul Food television show and from And Just Like That, and um, there are a host more, trust me, I just, I took out um, Nicole Ari Parker's name and Brandon Victor Dixon who's um, a Tony Award winner and we know him from Power and Jesus Christ Superstar. So um, they are all coming together to bring us another installment to wrap up everything in this trilogy. Now the thing that I loved the most about The Best Man was uh, the depiction of black folks and their friendships. Like firstly they were successful blacks okay except for Quentin but in a way, because, you know, he hustled, he did his thing. He he never worked. I don't even know how he had a roof over his head. But <laughs> dude was... <laughs> he was light-skinned and pretty, child. That was, you know, <laughs> light-skinned prettiness finds a way. They find a way, and he sure did. 
So they supported each other unconditionally, even with the fights and the, you know, betrayals and everything. They they were still there for each other. They supported each other. And the women also deflected the old tale of how black women can't get along. They were sisters. You know, that's that's how we do. Um, with your good friends, you support, you do the damn thing. So it was a movie that just hit home in, in a lot of aspects. And they kept it real. And I think the audience really appreciated that. That's what made it so popular. It was authentic. And it was a fantastic cast that, of course, you don't mind looking at, right? So that, of course, helped. So now we've gone from Lies and Betrayal in uh, Friendship from the first movie to Heartbreak, Mourning, and the Inner Workings of Black Brotherhood and Sisterhood in the second. And in this round, we're looking at <laughs> Quentin, the black sheep of the clan, who's next in line to be betrothed. This man is going to get... First of all, do we think he's going to actually reach the altar? Um, I mean, he was slick. He was a man whore. Don't, don't listen. He was a man whore. He was. And he always spoke his truth with no chaser. And the thing is that he was always right. When you look back at it, he was always the one that had something to say, but he was always right. And we already know where this is going to be enough drama, and there's going to be too many things that are going to ensue before he makes it to the aisle. And the big question out of all of this is, who's his fiance? Is it actually the terrifying and manipulative Shelby? Like, I guess we're going to have to just stay tuned to find out what's going to happen. LMG, what's your take on the best man? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Are you waiting for this? I- I'm so excited about this, really, truly. Clearly at a level that I have not yet reached. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> I love this movie. It's just a feel-good I mean, movie, I, I, so, um, I oh, did boy. enjoy no, no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. I did I enjoy. I enjoyed Malcolm Lee's two uh, breakout films. Uh, you know, uh-huh. I mean, he's seen done others since then, but you know, when he dies, they're going to say the best man director, Malcolm Lee. <laughs> so, so, of course, um, that's it. That's uh, all right. Means, really. <laughs> right. This is this will be his else. tombstone. Um, you know, uh-huh. I, I enjoyed uh, the original. I mean, this the original. Best Man came out at a time where there were a lot of these friendship films with very good looking, yeah. very successful, middle class, bougie black folks. Um, mm-hmm. So in that vein, at that in that era, it it was just one of many. Um, it was probably the best of those. I would I would argue. Um, mm-hmm. You know those. You know some people could maybe like wait until Excel or or Brown Sugar might have been one of theirs, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but they all kind of, you know, were a similar thing. I enjoyed the, the the first one for me was not the revelation. The second one for me was the revelation. I thought the second film I expected not to enjoy. And not only did I enjoy, I cried a little bit when Monica I cried like character, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And so, um, right. so, I mean, one, it also showed that Malcolm Lee had grown as a filmmaker. And that was exciting. It was like, okay, he's not just going to rehash the same old kind of thing from the first film. Um, So yeah, I think in that way, I'm intrigued to see what the show does. 
I don't think there's any question Terrence Howard is going to get married at the end because these are wish fulfillment <laughs> films for black women, right? Like they really are, you know, um, you know, where even and, and even more so probably for this character, right? The whore. Oh, we can finally tame the yep. whore with marriage, right? So um, he can uh. be redeemed through marriage. Uh, so, the, you know, these kind of very old school conservative tropes. Um, so. I think that that is, uh, I don't, I think that's a foregone conclusion. The, the finale mm-hmm. will be this man marrying. I think the journey there is where it gets interesting. Do, do these friendships, do these interactions and dynamics work out in every week after week after week over what eight shows, you know, how many, you know, eight hours, do you know we haven't necessarily spent that much time with these characters before? <laughs> do we like so that's that's gonna be the real interesting tell. How do they keep us engaged and excited and interested in these characters over an eight hour span? Um, I'm assuming it's an eight hour run on this show. Do you, do you know if it's an eight or ten episodes? I don't know how many episodes. No, all the things that I read, I haven't even seen anybody talk about how long it's going to be. But in terms of um, keeping us engaged, they do have, I think, with the new characters that they are going to be um, presenting, uh, they'll be able to most probably throw a few monkey wrenches here and there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Nicole Ari Parker is going to be playing, you know, the vixen. Um, uh, I can't remember who she's going to be uh, saucing it up with, but uh, she is going to be, you know, the the troublemaker, uh, quote unquote, and uh, a few of the other characters too. They're all being placed, it looks like, strategically to kind of rock the boat a bit. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how things are going to unravel and how things are going to resolve if they do. Yeah, so, I think that th- yeah. this is a this would be a great opportunity. One to be able to see all of these actors who are now middle aged um, and have been doing the, their craft for at least twenty to thirty years, if not longer, to really yeah. be able to go deeper with these characters that they've been playing for the last, you know, God, when was the first film? Like nineteen ninety nine or something. <laughs> so, so you know, they so yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. them get an opportunity to show their chops. You know, like Nia Long is. You know, a much better actress than she was when she first came out. You know, more, you know, more Chestnut is right, plays the exact same right. person he's always played. But um, <clears throat> similar with Tay Diggs, but we'll get to see. Yeah. You know who these people um, are. I, you know, everything will come down to the writing. Um, I am interested to see what a mature performance of these particular characters will look like. Uh, uh-huh. Am I chomping at the bit about it? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I look forward to it. Yeah, you know, look, I was not chopping at the bit at all about the Fresh Prince remake and um and I love Bel Air did it to me. Bel Air is is incredible. So I am open to being wrong. And Peacock, you're you're at one on one. So you've given me a one amazing (laughs) Bel Air, and then you gave me one awful firestarter <laughs> reboot that oh. was pure trash um so you know maybe the best man will be the tiebreaker there we go well, he, cheers right. to hoping <laughs> cheers to hoping text, sir? Uh, so um 
While everyone else is talking about the problematic yet vulnerable new release by Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morrell, and the Big Steppers, I can't get over the reckless inclusion of Kodak Black, who pled guilty to first-degree assault and and battery following his 2016 rape charge, um, and the anti-accountability for power messages that Kendrick is pushing under the guise of redemption for bad actors. Um, for those who don't know what I'm saying, he's essentially doing this anti-council culture thing. Um, I'm here for, you know, pathways for redemption for some who are repentant for their actions. Not exactly words we've heard from Mr. Black or any others name checked by Lamar, including R. Kelly. Um, however, redemption requires a process and a cost to be paid. It's not it isn't cheap grace. Um, it requires acknowledgement of the harm you've committed, atonement, sometimes even restitution and acts of service, and ultimately internal labor to avoid committing the same harm in the future. It's not a mercy. Kodak Black has done none of these things, or at least not as publicly as his harm, to justify his sudden candidacy for redemption, nor have almost anyone else that Kendrick defends in this on this album. Um So it just appears like another case of patriarchal protection and support of an unrepentant danger. And that's not something we typically look for from a Kendrick Lamar, who's won the Pulitzer Prize for his last work, Dan. Um, I also can't get with the dead naming, the misgendering, the constant faggot refrain, undercutting, and I'm gay, so I get to say it, (laughs) Um, whatever positive introspective message. Lamar was aiming for to address his still needs uh, to address his still needs to be addressed. Um, Homo and transphobia uh, around his family and other people of Mm. queer um, nature uh, via his auntie diaries song. Um, More Mm. counseling and therapy is clearly needed there. (laughs) Um, This song Mm. and its message is undercooked. And for that reason, I have not, spent a lot of time with Kendrick Lamar's latest album, and he is a rapper that I normally enjoy and check out for. One of the handful of rappers since 2004. Um, And anyway, uh, that aside, since this is our loving it section, um, I digress. The album of the moment that we all should be talking about, should be engaging, that's beautiful and uplifting and light-filled is Grammy Award winner P.J. Morton's Watch the Sun. The album was released on April 29th. It's his 13th album project. As part of the 11 tracks, he's giving us the return of the GOAT himself, Stevie Wonder, on Be Like Water, which also features another GOAT, Nas. Um, Jill Scott duetting with newbie or relative newbie it's kind of old for those of us in the indie really? side alex alex oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. yeah, at right. the, the finish yeah. the sentence for you right uh jill is duetting yes. with alex isley um on the sinewy still believe um which also uh, pj is trying to make a uh still believe um what do we call it uh what are they doing these TikTok things? Challenge. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I had a senior moment. You said PJ's trying to make a still believe TikTok challenge happen for a run that happens between uh, Alex and Jill. Um, okay. He gives us more old school homage with a duet featuring El DeBarge. 
on On My Way, which just sings itself, child. If you weren't already clear from Elder Barge's recent tiny desk on NPR, he oh, still got God. it. <laughs> he still he yes. still got it. Still got the voice, you know. Um, that gift is defended itself against many a many a danger. Um, his right. duet, you know, Morton's other favorite duet partner, uh, or favorite duet partner is Jojo. And she returns with Mr. Talking Box for a single previously released called My Peace. My personal favorite is a spiritual pick-me-up that reminds me of Morton's PK Roots. The Better Benediction, featuring Zaccardi Cortez, Jane Moore, Tim Rogers, Smote, and Daryl Music City Walls. My other fave is Lil' Too Heavy, which is just PJ Morton by himself, nobody else, at his honest best. He's supporting this gem of a project with the National Watch the Sun Tour uh, with Gumbo, Gumbo Live, Paul, the Piano Lab album, and now Watch the Sun. Morton is on a hot streak, and we might be thinking of this later as getting defined as Morton, PJ Morton's classic period, in much the way Earth, Wind & Fire and Stevie Wonder had theirs. Um, Watch the Sun by PJ Morton. Check it out. Have you had a chance to give it any listens? I have not. However, because it was it was high up on my list to listen to this week. But what I did do is I already purchased my ticket to go to that show. Oh, so I definitely, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was playing. I saw it was coming through, and it's literally the place is literally across the street from where I live. So I can't even say no. I won't go. It's too far. No, no, no. I will put on my shoes, put on my flip flops, and go and enjoy. And it's under the stars outside. It's gonna be beautiful. So yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I haven't seen PJ live since. Oh. Might be a good ten years. Oh, he's so much better. He's so I'm much sh- better. I'm than sure. It no, was like I he first came out like that was the last time. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I've been covering PJ Morton. Whew, let me see. Uh, when I was in maybe about twenty years now um, that I've been covering him, uh, I remember recovering the first album for Urban Dialect, uh, a regional magazine that was uh, published and edited by Daniel Gray Contar. Um, and it, I've, you know, interviewed him and initially PJ was incredibly shy in person. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Like I incredibly will shy. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And very humble and modest. And so, um, and I, when I first saw him in concert, I was like, the band is incredible. The songs are incredible. He's swallowed by it all. Like I it was not, yeah. he was not present for me as uh, a figure I should be focusing my attention on and throughout a show. And, you know, but the band was mm-hmm. so good, and, you know, and the songs PJ's never written. <laughs> like, I mean, like for me, I don't. I think maybe there might be one album by PJ I don't really care for. Uh, for the most right. part, of that 13 album run, I probably like 12. Um, love <laughs> 10, <laughs> like love, love 10. Right. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So, but I saw him. Um, I've seen the Gumbo and Paul tours, and um, I saw him with Lettucey and Kurt Franklin. Um, this was. Yeah, they did a tour together. PJ opened, 
And okay. it was the first time I saw PJ in a long time because for a while I wouldn't go because it was just kind of like, uh, I love his music. I don't love his live show. But since he was part of this right. bigger bill, I was like, I'll go see. He was completely present, full voice singing. He had in, in, incredible um, runs. He'd increased his melismic uh, approach okay. to song. He had uh, found his own voice, you know, a little bit more distinct from Stevie Wonder because, you know, he gets a lot of comparisons to Stevie. Yes, um, yeah. And just powerful. He owned the stage. He owned the room. Um, and I wrote Let Us See that night, like, uh, mini review about how much this the whole show the incredible whole show was incredible. Lettucey broke out crying about her daddy. Um, Kirk Franklin came and stopped the show and comforted her on stage. I was moved by all of that. I mean, it was just and I hadn't uh, even Kirk Franklin, who I had also not ever thought I was going to go see, gave me one of the best shows of my life. He was he's like an entertainer. Really? The wow. Yeah, and he's I always moved all over. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, uh, you know every song. <laughs> like, well, that's the first part. You think you even if you don't think you know Kirk Franklin's catalog, trust me, you know every song. You know All of those songs, right. were, you yeah. know Kirk Franklin's catalog. So every song was a smash. Every song was a hit. Uh -huh. Um, uh -huh. and he is like James Brown on that stage. He is all over the place. He highball uh -huh. of energy. He's you know directing. He's you know he's giving conductor work. He's singing, hollering, and carrying on, and, and it's. It is a ball of delight. <laughs> like I could not get enough. That was, it was literally, you know, I went in like Kirk Franklin. He don't even sing, baby. I walked out of that show given uh, I would. He could get my money anytime. Let us say I'd already seen a million times. She could always get my money. She's a, an associate of mine. Yeah, she. But is. um, yeah. but but yeah, but that that evening, PJ Morton revealed himself to me as a consummate live touring performer. And uh, and I've seen him since two more times, and he's every time he brought it, like killed okay. it, murdered everything moving. So I look, I'm well, excited for you. Time, so. Yeah, I'm excited for you to see Watch the Sun. That's gonna be hot, you know. So we yeah, we look yeah. forward so to your uh, hidden it. footage, you know, the hidden footage from YouTube, your YouTube channel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm in Mexico. I can't go see him. So, you know, yeah. I uh, might come no, to the right. States for one concert this year, and that might be if I can get tickets to see uh, Silk Sonic. I know. God, I would love to see them, too. I They're in Vegas. They're doing the Vegas yeah. presidency this summer. I and know. I know. That, and I know those tickets are going to be ridiculous, but it's kind of sure, the only... I think it would be worth it. Yeah, I'm going to say it's kind of the only concert tour that I'm pressed to see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Anyway. When I saw, so, yeah, I want to no, continue no. with that because then we're going to be talking about music all night. So, nope, nope. nope, nope. <laughs> let's, not, let's not. Let's not. We should, we should do at some point do a music show, though. I think people would kind of, you know, enjoy that too. Touch a little bit on what we know. I mean, stuff. we only were doing it as professions for decades, so. <laughs> and then we decided, you know, we're experts in all of the arts. We're going to talk about all of the things now. Everything. Everything. Right. Uh, in any case. <laughs> so, moving on to It's Complicated. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like we kind of have some mix complicated in the things we've already talked about tonight, but um, <laughs> it's complicated formally, <laughs> the formal segment. Uh, these are stories we have mixed feelings about. We love certain aspects of it, and we recognize how it can be perceived as problematic. An incomplete solution to the problem it's addressing or just has elements that keep us from loving it. What you got for me, MC? Well, I have... Um decided to jump on Ben Miller's back because of her response to um, the baby formula shortage that she gave on Twitter the other night. Um, she was speaking to, or I should say she retweeted a tweet by Stephanie uh, Rule, who is the MSNBC anchor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, and business, sorry, and senior business analyst. Uh, so she had tweeted that Regarding baby formula, of course, the baby formula shortage reveals an amazing secret oligopoly. Three American companies control over 90% of the market, hugely restrictive regulation, thanks to big money lobbying, prohibit foreign formulas, name another industry sector product like this. So Miss Beth Midler decided to retweet that and say, try breastfeeding, it's free and available on demand. So, I mean... Yeah, her insensitive auntie, tweet. Auntie, no. Auntie. Uh, yeah, auntie did me wrong <laughs> on that one because I really, no, really, I'm really, sure. really love her. I, I do really, really dig her. And that, I was just like, let me punch somebody in the throat. Because... She's done this a couple of times now where she said <sighs> some things that are not what we want from the auntie that was at the gay bass. No. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> like the, the auntie at the gay bass, the feminist that we know that she is. You know what I mean? Like all of these little things. I'm like, you tripping. Like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's the whole diarrhea of the mouth, getting old syndrome. Like this, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, no, I'm not feeling that. So, I mean, that was really insensitive. Her tweet was insensitive. It was, it was disgusting. Um, and it was just another example for me of people shoving their beliefs so far down your throat when you never asked for a taste in the first place, right? So let's be real about breastfeeding being, you know, free and available. It's not feasible for everyone. It is not for everyone, period. So what about mothers who are not able to produce milk? What about mothers who have had breast reductions and cannot breastfeed? What about mothers who can't get their child to latch on while experiencing excruciating pain? Breastfeeding is not easy. It can be very stressful while you're trying to heal, while you're dealing with maybe postpartum depression, and all while you're trying to become, like, you know, start mothering this new person. Also, what about the mother who simply decides not to breastfeed in the first place? You're allowed to do that. That's the whole idea of being an individual and thinking for yourself. So you can promote whatever you want about breastfeeding. It doesn't mean that it's not good for you or what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander kind of thing. Like, you you really have to be mindful. And, like, for me personally, when I had my son... um, my allergies are kicking my ass, y'all. So sorry. I'm starting to sound all blocked up. Nasally, it's horrible. <laughs> Listen, my breath control has not been good today. My asthma's been a little tight, so I hear you. Oh, my God. It's so bad. 
Um, so yeah, and for my case, um, like I had explained earlier that I was in a precarious situation with my son when I had him. Um, I was out of it for about a week. I was on a whole bunch of machines. It was a whole thing. I also had a breast reduction when I was 30. Apparently, when I had my breast reduction, well, so the surgeon said that he was attaching everything back so that I would be able to breastfeed if I had a child. That didn't come to be. I tried to, to, when I woke up from everything, I tried to work with a lactation consultant and we tried to get me pumping and the whole nine and I could not produce any milk. So Mm. I had to feed my child formula. And again, like I didn't feel horrible that I had to feed my child formula. That's just the decision. What am I going to do? Not feed my kid? So, you know, things like that. I'm like, the thought process behind it, I, I just don't get it. And for so long, we've been talking about um, people policing other people's bodies. We've been talking about Roe versus Wade for the past like almost month. We've been talking about women's rights for the past, I mean, for, for, for longer in general. And here we have someone who's all pro all of that and who used to be a feminist in every sense of the word, as I just said, yet she's sitting here on her high horse policing women's bodies. So that it makes absolutely no sense to me. None at all. It was just wrong. It was really, really wrong. You you um the perspective that was taken was a hundred percent out of just reach. It just it, it didn't work for me. Do you have anything to add to that, LMG? I mean, I feel like you were quite eloquent on that one and that I don't probably have a whole lot extra to say other than, you know, (laughs) obviously there are clear benefits to breastfeeding and nobody's like anti-breastfeeding, right? But to your point, Mm -hmm. there's lots of reasons, you know, that different people are not able to. I mean, there's also kind of like the expense of trying to pump and have different but like if you're a working mother and you're trying to like have milk available for when you're at work and you know uh-huh. while the child is with a care you know like there's lots and lots of logistics and financials that go into that as well <laughs> like 100%. where yeah. you know um yeah there's just lots of things factors and and as at the end of the day it's nobody's business but that mother and the child and maybe their doctor right <laughs> right like right. I, right i don't understand um you know, why are we, and, and she wasn't alone in, in sharing that. I, I didn't see the Bette Mittler post or the origin post that she retweeted. I, but I did see other people make similar commentary. And I was like, I'm not a woman and I'm not a parent. And even I know not everyone can produce milk. Not everyone has, mm-hmm. you know, to your point around latching, latching is a major issue for a lot of women. Yeah. Um, my own mother, uh, breastfed initially and then realized that she couldn't handle it. It was uh, apparently I was a very greedy baby. <laughs> it was causing all kinds of sore breasts and things. That and so, hurts, man. Yeah, yeah, she I was yeah. apparently abusive to my mother as a baby, as an infant. And um, and she ended up transitioning me to formula, which is why I'm the size of the rock. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that that's it's a personal decision. I mean, and, and it really is, you know, yeah. and Auntie Bat Girl says, no, we just fall we didn't need to hear back. from you on this. Yeah, fall back. fall back. Fall back. And and find out, like, you know, what's going on, because this isn't the first time you've been in trouble for saying some stuff lately, 
This is like your second or third time in the rodeo in the last five years. Just, we don't need you to rethink mm. some of your life choices. So, mm. as for <laughs> me, uh, mine is, I know we have to warn people about the possibility of an epidemic. But in our current very polarized climate, I can't help but feel away about the recent reporting of monkeypox, the outbreaks that have been happening in both the U.S. and Europe. Uh, It's concerning, given our conservative backlash context that we're all operating and living in. And this conservative backlash context is not something unique to the United States. It also exists in the U.K. and globally. Um, For those who don't know what monkeypox is... According to the Washington Post, monkeypox is named for the animals for which it was discovered. The disease cropped up in 1958 among monkeys kept for research. According to the CDC, more than a decade before a human case was identified in the Democratic Republic of Congo, mass vaccinations against smallpox presumably curbed monkeypox as well, at least for a time among humans. And um, but cases have since resurged. Thanks in part to a lack of immunity in later generations, they say. Can't imagine where we have a lack of immunity from the uh, anti-vax. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> as a result, more than 450 cases have been reported in Nigeria since 2017, according to the CDC. Monkeypox infection typically lasts about two to four weeks um, and begins with flu-like symptoms and swelling of the lymph nodes. Eventually, fluid-filled bumps, very unattractive fluid-filled bumps or pox spread across the face and skin. The disease can spread through contact with animals, infected people, and materials used by infected peoples. Keep that in mind. It can be spread through contact with animals, infected people, and materials used by infected peoples, according to health authorities. Examples listed by the CDC include contact with bodily fluids, contact with monkeypox sores, and infection through respiratory droplets in a close setting. You know, the kind that we're now going to be exposed to because we decided to stop wearing masks. Yeah, that part. Um, Such as a shared household. Monkeypox can be deadly, but two major strains of the virus pose different risk. About one in 10 people infected with the Congo Basin strain have been found to die according to the World Health Organization, while a West African strain appeared to be fatal for about one in 100 people that um, that were infected. That milder strain is the one infecting people right now. Keep that in mind, folks. The milder strain is what's infecting people right now um, who were hospitalized in the UK. Um, But it's not clear what strain the new patient just identified in Massachusetts contracted. Um... So we're talking about something that could be spread between humans and animals, between humans and humans. Yes, it was originally found in Central and West Africa and has primarily remained there. But these new cases, about a dozen confirmed this month um, and dozens more being investigated, um, have no travel links to a place where monkeypox is regularly found. So these are not coming from the Africa. Um, and it's suggesting that the virus may be spreading through the community. The case in the Massachusetts is the first infection identified in the U.S. this year. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, monkeypox is not known to spread easily between humans, which is why, 
you know, we shouldn't be, you know, we're not at the sounding the alarm stage like we were at like COVID. In fact, um, you know, signs of why there are signs of sustained transmission between people that is unique to this particular strain. That has not been the case historically where, um, you know, especially given the fact that most you can see monkeypox for most folks. Right. So oh, like, yeah. you know, I saw a um, picture and it is not pretty. Not yeah. Pretty. The picture is not attractive. Um, uh-huh. And we have had about 70 cases reported in the U S since it was re- first recorded here in 2003. This go round, it appears that the first known patient in the U.S. recently traveled to Nigeria. Like, so that's different from the ones that are in the U.K. Um, but the 20 suspected cases in the U.K., five of which have been confirmed, were people who had never traveled to Nigeria or Africa. Here's the part. According to Washington Post, recent cases were, quote unquote, predominantly in gay, bisexual or men who have sex with men. Uh, In quote, the UK Health Security Agency said the agency is advising people in those groups to be especially a quote unquote alert to any unusual rashes or lesions on any part of their body. Here's the deal. Everything is still too early to know much of anything. Right. They're still investigating cases. They still are trying to figure out um, contact tracing and origins. Um, much of the information to date is speculative and wait and see in nature. I just hope that we have learned our lesson with HIV AIDS, which for those who don't know, was formerly called GRID for gay related immune deficiency. It took us a generation to undo this early stigmatization that said HIV was only a gay disease. Those early faux pas cost lives and helped ensure resources were stymied for almost a decade because no one cared about the three H's who were getting it, hemophiliacs, Haitians, and homosexuals. The first three groups thought to be the most at risk. Here's the deal. Black Americans were getting it from day one, but because we were calling it grid, no one was checking for it. So let's, you know, because we also forget that black people can also be gay people, but you know, that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Let's, Let's educate the public, but also be clear that there is nothing innately African. And when I mean African, I mean as in black bodied or queer as in gay men about this outbreak. Right. Anyone can get monkeypox. You right. remember I told you all to remember those three ways you get it. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meaning didn't have anything to do with butt sex. Didn't have anything with getting head <laughs> then like you know <laughs> like those were trans those can be transmission routes but you also can just touch the garment of the person who has it and get it right so right. these are not sexual or racial things but you know when we have an origin story of africa which is what the origin story for hiv is and we have early cases in this new epidemic or outbreak that are potentially maybe mostly queer we now get back into this kind of stigmatization issue. So I'm asking that we all take a beat before we find ourselves demonizing and stigmatizing vulnerable people again in the name of public health, which ultimately ended up harming everyone's health. So that's my, it's complicated for today. I want to make sure hey, people are safe. Man. 
want to make sure the gay folks know that they should probably be checking for stuff. But mm-hmm. let's not make this a black and gay thing again, folk. Gotta yeah, learn some lessons. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's not so any thoughts about monkeypox other than the fact that it looks absolutely disgusting? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I I can't. I there's no way that you can see someone with monkeypox and be like, oh, what's that? And want to touch it. There's no mm-hmm. way that you would want to like if somebody is visually ill. You would definitely want to be out of the vicinity. You wouldn't want to be near them. You wouldn't want. I. I don't want any droplets on my upper lip. I don't want none of it. Like, there's no need to be in that area. And and again, as you stated, there's no need to be labeling this this disease. It's it's a disease that everyone can catch. Period. That's it. So. Mm. Just be mindful. You gotta be mindful, like anything and everything else. You gotta be mindful about your surroundings and what you do and all of that good stuff. There's, there's, I, I don't even know what else to say on that. I think it's just really ignorant when we start um, talking about labels. And usually these labels always start within Africa, as these origin stories usually start. Where they usually start, sorry, and as you stated, with the queer um, community, LGBTQ community, it's 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 always something. I find that they always latch on to, um, you know, black community, the um, queer community. It, it's it it always starts there. It always starts there. We're always the center. Or or with COVID, Asians, which is why we have Asian hate at an all-time high and right. violence against Asians at an all-time high. You know, like because, stigmatizing Because white people never get anything, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Right. It just, you know, I, I always feel like it, we're just always um, targeted. Targeted would be the word. Targeted. Um, and, and, and it comes with, with BIPOC people. That's it. Done. It, it always yeah. seems like it comes from that. No, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and I think that, um, I mean, this also encourages people to wear, to keep their mask on. I mean, I know mask mandates are no longer kind of ruling the policies of, I mean, even in Mexico here, we just last week uh, um, allow people to stop wearing masks in outdoors. Um, Cause here was yeah. like a 5,000 peso fine where I live. Um, if you were caught outdoors without a mask. Um, but now you only have to wear masks indoors. And I was at a club and people did not <laughs> wear the mask indoors either. They started taking yeah. them off. So, you know, but here's the deal. Like, yes, you might be able to see someone who has a full monkeypox outbreak, but if somebody is still in the early stages and they just have droplets that are in the air you know, true. you can catch it that way or, you know, which is, again, encouraging you to wear your mask or if somebody, you know, maybe has a lesion to because, you know, yes, they look disgusting, but they also kind of look like boils. And so they might yeah. be mistaken yeah. for a boil. Right. Like you might mistake a boil and not think it's monkeypox, um, you know, and even yeah. see that on a partner and not necessarily immediately make a connection because, you know. Part of the thing is why why we don't know a lot about monkeypox is because it was an African thing and we don't really kind of care about what well, happens yeah. when uh-huh. things are primarily impacting Africans. Um, so you know, so that might be have contributed to why we have so little knowledge. Um, but this new strain is a little concerning, 
and people should you yeah. know take care of themselves. It's, obviously, the numbers are super low, but as we know from other pandemics and epidemics, numbers have been low in the past for things that have magic, magically grown. So everybody yeah. just be safe out there. That's All right, true. folks. So this is our just know. These are stories that we hated <laughs> and have harsh critiques for. This is where we get to go in. AMC, take it away. Well, so I am going to give you all a little dose of Canada's peak racist shit that came to our attention last week. Um, Stephen Lecce, who happens to be an Ontario cabinet minister, lost his damn mind and when he was in college, and now he seems to be getting a little slap on the wrist, but we'll see how that plays out. I'll get into it a little bit more, but... Um, he happens to be the Minister of Education, and I need you guys to remember this because this is where the irony comes in. So he's now embroiled in a whirlwind of backlash after his past caught up with him recently. In 2006, and I'm talking about just yesterday, 2006, Leche participated in a fraternity event that was dubbed a slave auction while he attended Western University. Mm. He also became the leader of the fraternity in 2008, which is two years later, where it was reported that another slave auction took place. But of course, he has no recollection of it. And to make matters worse, there's an image of the statement that was penned by Leche himself that was found in archives. And next to the, and I quote, chapter news is what it was called, there's the listing of the slave auction and it's right there, bold and bright, for everyone to see. And Leche was listed as a slave in the auction. A few hours after it was reported, he released a weak two-line apology, stating, The event from 2006 was inappropriate and in no way reflects who I am as a person, which is why I unreservedly apologize. I will continue to passionately advance the interests of all Ontarians, irrespective of faith, heritage, orientation, or race. Now, this man is a high-profile minister, and he's been at the forefront of the pandemic because of his post. And his banal repeated bullshit about mandates that made no sense and the online learning that's left students and parents scarred for life. He was the face of all of that. He was the one that was pushing all of that. So everyone in the other political parties now have been calling for his resignation or for him to withdraw from the upcoming provincial election that's coming up next month that I spoke about previously. We will see if he'll be voted back into his writing, but obviously he doesn't represent our values at all, and that's that's what's being touted by, uh, by the other politicians and the parties. So he's been the education minister for the past three years in Doug Ford's cabinet. I'm sure Ford alone, that name, rings a bell to y'all. I don't have to go any further. Of course, during the week, Ford stepped up um, after all of the backlash to say that he supports Leche 100% and and believes that he's truly sorry for what he did. So Mm. we're going to see, I mean, the only time we're going to see any kind of um, resolution or resolve is if he's not voted back into his writing and we won't know until next month so the caucasity kills me I mean it's there like 
shining bright for you to see. And right now, he's still in office. Still in office. Slap on the wrist. But I, I guess, you know, a lot of the politicians are saying as well that uh, the polls will kind of settle it. And they're hoping that they're not going to vote him back into his his uh, his uh, writing. And I can tell you from the pandemic alone, people were cursing this man's name left, right, and center. Left, right, and center. Because a lot of the decisions that he made literally drove parents to a breaking point when it came to kids and learning and the kids trying to imagine graduating and you know you you can't even graduate with your peers there's no graduation you don't know what you're doing online work is crazy the teachers are tired i mean everybody went through this pandemic and it was it was like difficult it was challenging but some of the decisions that were coming from our government were just backwards and we a lot of people were just you know at wit's end so the the irony that our education minister is the one that you know <laughs> behind all of this shit is just mind blowing it's mind blowing but yeah that's uh old canada for you there you go. <laughs> every there time you, go. you say that is the education minister i just you know it's giving betsy devos during the trump administration for yes exactly exactly it's like a male Um, version it's just makes no sense it's ridiculous exhausting these people are exhausting oh my god and i have to vote next month as you can see (laughs) for a good reason with good reason um definitely yeah you know amc you 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 keep making me sad because i was gonna come Mm -hmm. to canada during Mm -hmm. george w bush's when george w bush was given the election by the supreme court way back when in in the early aughts i was like i'm going to canada i'm getting up out of here i'm going to canada and now you have consistently let me know that I would have been very frustrated and angry <laughs> about yes. the, the promised land that was promised to me about if getting out of America and going to Canada to escape the people and their foolishness. Um, yeah. yeah. This is, you know what, this is how I usually put um, the whole perspective in terms of racism here in Canada versus um, racism in the States. In the States, um, a racist person would literally look you in the face and be like, hey, nigger, I don't like you, right? Here in Canada, it's, oh my God, you're amazing. Yeah, that's so great. And as soon as you turn your back, it's, we're going to stab that nigga in the back. That's how it is here. Oh, that's like California. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, is it? Well, you know, I lived in California for a year, and I I say it's the most passive aggressive place I've ever lived. Like everything really? is, um, I mean, and even worse because there, everyone knows the liberal code words to use. Like they they uh, all have like anti racist language to use, but still behave in in, in racist and <laughs> supremacist forms. So yes, yeah. that's um, there you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, you know. What they say, white people gonna white anyway. All the time, all the time, regardless of borders, uh, y'all. <laughs> regardless of borders, and that, and that's, I mean, unfortunately, that's also even true down here. Um, we just don't happen to be the people that they're 
targeting here in Mexico is more the indigenous folks who catch hell. Um, um, so I don't have eloquent words to describe the 198 mass shootings that we've already experienced so far in America with the 13 shot and 11 dead in Buffalo being but one. Fewer still for the 693 mass shootings we saw in 2021, according to the Gun Violence Archive, or the 611 the year before that, jumping up almost 200 from the 417 we had in 2019, pre-pandemic. What I will say is that white supremacy, white nationalism, and supporters, whether tacit, active, or apathetic, are largely responsible for those numbers. According to the New York Times, the vast number of murders from 2012 through 2021 that were politically motivated were connected to right-wing political extremism. 55% of those were under the white supremacist banner, 14% under anti-government, and 6% by other right-wing causes. So collectively, that 75% of all of murders in this vein were right-wing, primarily white racist, conservative domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorism isn't an Islamic problem or a black problem or a Mexican immigrant problem. It is a white problem for America, and we need to start saying so out loud, often, and accordingly. This is what we should be focused on instead of critical race theory. Huh. That's This is the real danger, white supremacist domestic terrorism. Um, but that's not going to be my, uh, I hate it. Uh, I feel like we, like other people have written a lot more eloquently and a lot more detailed about those we've lost who were just going to a grocery store. Um often to do provide for their families uh, and lost their lives just for no other reason other than they were a black person in a grocery store. The um, only black grocery store in their area. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, like I said, you know, people are going to do what they do, wash and repeat, and then we'll have this happen again a few months from now. I think one of the brothers are broken down because he said he'd already covered 15 of these for CNN and he just was yes. yes, you know he was just tired because he knows that he's going to have more to cover because America will not face its original sin and its original sickness in any case I'm going to switch to something that's a little bit more fun just in the interest of our mental health girl keep your legs closed tour <laughs> Presented by Purity Precious. Are you for real, for real though? Like hosted by Precious Joy. The Purity is Precious founder and host. This tour costs between $150 to $247 a ticket. What? The tour speakers include a fatherless daughter's expert in Janelle Gordon, a trauma relief wellness coach in Helen Johnson, a Christian psychologist in Dr. Aldrin Tart, pun not intended, um, <laughs> a podcaster whose last name is Liberal, 
the irony. Um, and a pure friendship nonprofit founder. I'm not sure what a pure friendship. What is that? Thank you. Okay, because I was about to ask, uh, what's a pure friendship? The name of it is the name of her organization. She's also the one whose last name is liberal. Is pure friendships. (laughs) So, um, and inexplicably, a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. I'm not sure what he has to do with girls keeping their legs closed, but 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 Mac Woods. You know, Mr. Mac Woods, Courtney Mac Woods McLean, he is there too. <laughs> this tour is making its way to Houston, Atlanta, Oklahoma City, Detroit, and Chicago, hotbeds of black conservative Christendom. This abstinence ministry is, of course, focused exclusively on teen girls ages 12 to 17. With no such focus on the boys, of course. The jokes what? just write themselves. Yeah. Girl, come. Real, real? Keep like, your leg closed. Exclamation point. Tour. Mm-hmm. Real, real. Yeah, it's real. Oh, <laughs> it's real. Oh. Precious Joy is a real person. I mean, I don't know that her mother gave her two first names. But... <laughs> I can't. You what know, is this? and I don't know this? that Dr. Tart, you know, Dr. Tart, just by his name alone, should probably be excluded from telling anybody to close their legs. But, um, <laughs> so, Dr. Tart. and then there's Choke Brady. I mean, it's like, you know, again, all kind of sex jokes. Sex jokes just writing themselves, people writing themselves. Yeah. Mac Woods, McClain, mm-hmm. Mac Woods got that. Like wood. No, no. <laughs> no. No, it's, it's, it's on a 240 for me. I can't. No, no. And you know what right. scares me the most is that tickets are going to sell to this shit. This is what oh, scares yeah. me the most. Oh, yeah. This is a money grab. You better get that early bird, $150 that ends May 28th. You know, general admission is 197 and that ends on June 28th. Late registrants, which you know most of the black folks are probably going to pay for this, $247. Oh, no. $247. Yeah, to to hear the fatherless... I'm trying to figure out how does one become a fatherless daughter's expert. What's... Is that a webinar? Is there a training class? Is there... Like, what's... What's the... What is the... What is the... What is the requirement... Yeah. To become, yeah. is it a certification? Is there a certificate? Get out of my is mouth. It, are, con- are continuing education classes required for relicensure? You know, are, are, are we are we oh. only talking about uh, cisgender daughters? Are we also talking about trans daughters? Are trans girls also supposed to keep their legs closed? <laughs> or are we what? not acknowledging trans girls in this because, you know... Texas will now take your child from you if she's, you have a trans trans daughter. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so like this, I mean, you know, a trauma. I don't necessarily know that I trust the trauma relief wellness coach either. Like, or what? How DR are you relieving? Officer, who's I, I don't be know why the D- aimlessly. I, I don't know whose cousin the DEI officer that has the, <laughs> the only one who had a nickname is part of his name. Um, the Mac Woods person. 
Like, I don't know why he, <laughs> why Courtney McWoods McLean is present, you know, other than he might be a cousin or uncle to somebody who was putting it. Maybe he's Precious's boyfriend um, or fi- fiance because, you know, Precious Joy is doing purity. So she oh. probably got no boyfriends. You know, she doesn't believe in boyfriends. She doesn't believe in husbands. Um, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm still on. I'm looking at these. No, it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> People look it up. I'm so, I'm so I can't. Look, the purity move. This is no different from those uh, purity ring stuff that was popular, that, you know, about 20 years ago. Then there were those uh, second virginity classes, you know, with the father daughter dances around purity and, you know, this stuff, but you know, usually it's white folks. Everybody yeah, here because I was about to say I must be some kind of heathen because I don't know about none of that shit. Oh what? yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I no all idea. of these are all of these are shiny face black people. Um, you know, pushing their their I mean, look, everything on the right is trying to be a time machine to nineteen fifty five. So I guess we shouldn't be shocked that the black right, the black conservative Christian right, is also True. trying to go back to nineteen fifty five, at least when it comes to gender equity. But my thing is, um, these girls aren't having sex by themselves. First of all, we should probably okay. note that teen pregnancy has been on a decline for thirty years. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so let's start with that. We also start with Gen Z, um, starting with millennials. And transitioning to Gen Z, have sex a full year later than Gen Xers did. So they've already been keeping their legs closed. They're not having a bunch of babies out of wedlock. Um, of course, if they needed an abortion, soon they won't be able to get one. But that's a different right. conversation. <laughs> um, uh-huh. You know, you also are trying to like make sure they don't have contraception, and you're not teaching them about. You know, other forms of birth control because you don't believe in them. You know, so there's right. all of that too. Um, but yeah, you know, the girl keeps your legs closed to her. Like, where's uh, the boy keep your legs closed to her? Where's the boy use a condom to her? Like, where's, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's all a hot mess. And, you know, and what kind of Christian, girls, what kind of boys? Um, this is, this yeah, is well, like, you know, when it kills me. Christian, but none of that you know. is actually, so here's the funny thing about all of that. It's Christendom without saying it. Nowhere on here is anything about Jesus. Nowhere right. on this ad is there anything about, you know, this is all purity. Purity. Uh-huh. A lot of purity language. But, but just the, the fact that, that it's always... gender. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just about to say that these are the, they're always the ones that want to throw Christ in their business, right? So... That is the way that they're going to do it without literally saying God said to keep your legs closed, right? That's their way of going around it. And and I, why are there three men on this panel? Why are there three men on this panel talking to 12 year old girls about keeping their legs closed? Thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mr. Tart. I'm, yeah, right. Dr. Tart. Doctor. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. He's the doctor. he's the Christian doctor. psychologist. He's the Christian psychologist, Doctor Tart. Um, sitting next to Choke Bradley, or Choke Brady, <laughs> who's a right Choke. 
That's and the man's name is Choke. Maybe it's Chioke. It's C H I O K E, but I'm I'm gonna just say it's Choke. Um, he's a pastor of. So he is actually a, so this one is a pastor of somebody's ministries. Um, I can't read. I think what? it's Siri Ministries. Yeah. So this one is a, a SHR Ministries or something like that. So Choke Choke is a pastor. So that's oh, okay. why Choke is there. Oh, still don't know why. Still, still don't know why Wood is there. Not, not sure why Mac Woods is there. <laughs> he's, right, he's going to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion at the end of the twelve-year-old conversation about having sex with the boys wow. next door. Um, yeah, it's just it's all wrong. It's it's yes. all a mess. Um, these three grown-ass men talking to these twelve-year-old girls about their their sex lives and their bodies feels ick. You know, Precious Joy smiling while she robs these poor people of their money. Because the, here's the other thing. So these girls are going to go to this. And if and when they're ready to have sex, they're still going to do it. <laughs> yeah. May not be this year, but it might be next year. So it, y'all need to like. Y'all, so those $250 might could go better for either the PJ Morton sh- tour that we talked about earlier. Maybe a Jasmine Sullivan tour, a Yabba tour. Or, you know, you can make a deposit on the Silk the Evening with Silk Sonic. Because, you know, them tickets are going to be four figures. <laughs> so then okay. you, can make a <laughs> you can make a deposit on the Evening with Silk Sonic. Oh. Tour tickets, like that's what you can better do with this money, because what this what this whole conference is not going to do is stop any of these young ladies from when they're ready to have sex from having sex, because that's what being a teenager is is be a hot hot bed of hormones and emotions, and the more you tell a teenager something is tempting and out of reach and should not be done, the more. Here's the funny thing about the 1950s. The number one birth rate year in America is like 1957 or 1958. Really? <laughs> <laughs> right. It was like, right. For teenagers, for teen birth rates. Back wow. when we didn't, back when we were telling the girls to keep the legs closed. That was when we right. had most teen pregnancies in America. Yeah. That was that was okay. that was the result. Wow. That was the result of keep your girl keep your legs closed tour, circa America, <laughs> in the fifties. My grandmother was part of that. That was when my mother was born. <laughs> my grandmother was like, and that was my grandmother's second child. She was already you know nineteen twenty having that second baby by then. So yeah, and they were Christian too. That message didn't work for my grandmother. It probably didn't work for y'all, grandmama, either. Think of some of the ages of some of y'all folks, grandmama. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know why we're doubling down on things that don't work, but you know, it's America. What can I say? Those who don't hear must feel. That's what my Caribbean parents used to tell me every day, all day. And boy, that is so true. Yeah. Well, it's probably going to make its way. You know, once it's successful, because you know there are plenty of. Good church folk in Houston and Detroit and Chicago and Atlanta that's oh, gonna yes. make this a success. They're they gonna probably go. bring the keep girl keep your legs closed about tour in <laughs> in Canada. Listen. Listen. <laughs> no, no, and no. Uh, anyway, good folks, that is our show. Do you have anything else for us, L- AMC? I I don't I I just I need to 
like wash this off my brain. <laughs> just, I'm good. That's it. Listen, you just need to, you just need to spend some time with the fatherless daughter expert and the trauma relief <laughs> wellness coach, and then afterwards spend some time with the DEI officer. <laughs> So you can get your so you get your life right with Christ through the DEI officer. <laughs> all I'm seeing is like a porn cover. That's all I'm seeing in my head. I need to I, 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 I really want to understand. I really I, I'm trying to make the connection. Why is the DEI officer part of this panel at all? I mean, this whole thing should not exist, but this DEI officer piece is really like killing me. Um, I think it may be because he's iconic. He's, he's attractive. He's very attractive you know, man. But um, yeah, that's a so hot mess. Anyway, yeah, think- yeah, yeah. The, the brothers, you know, choking them. Oh. <laughs> Rev- Reverend choking them. Or, uh, Reverend choking Doctor Tart. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. man. Reverend Choke, Dr. Tar, and 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 Woods Wood McLean <laughs> are all attractive brothers. So maybe that's why they're there. They're supposed to give somebody some old men, some old creepy men, because that's who they are to these 12 to 17-year-old girls, because these brothers all look very much my age. Um are supposed to be there for. So they have somebody, some old men to look at who are gonna tell them about how bad the boys were. In their generation, and all oh, they want is no. sex. Oh, oh, no. you know that. You know that's what it's gonna be given. You know these boys. Ooh. I'm here to tell you. I was, I was, I was once, a, I was once seventeen. I was once seventeen year old boy, and I, I just wanted to, I wanted to get some of that nookie too. So you just, <laughs> you, you, you know, that's what choking them is gonna give. Look, oh that's my god, joke. y'all. <laughs> um. Anyway. So, you know, like clearly, like I said, we needed it, baby. We needed it after Buffalo. We needed a laugh. And and thank you, oh. the Girl Keep Your Legs Closed tour, for giving us oh. chuckles, whether intended or not. Thank you, Miss Precious Joy, for your purity is precious movement. Um, in any case, this is the Gibson Gazette signing off as we wonder, what are the stories you're telling the world? Precious. <laughs> Better still. What are the stories you're telling yourself, Dr. Tart, Choke, Your and friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night, y'all.